My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you, uh, those of you who are joining us online. It's good for us to, uh, to be together here. We're going to finish up our series on the Ten Commandments this morning. We've been working through those this summer, and we're finally up to the Tenth Commandment, so this will be the, the last in this series. We'll have next week, and then we'll kick something else off. I want to remind us where we started with this, because it's so important for us to understand the purpose of the Ten Commandments. It's not, they're not there to give us a guideline that if we do these things, then God will love us. No, God first rescues us. God first rescued Israel, right? The purpose is to teach us how to live in freedom. God sets us free, and now he wants us to to live in freedom, to not go back into the ditch. We said that the Ten Commandments don't start with, you shall have no other gods before me. They really start with, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. It starts with God's rescue. It starts with God's grace. Then God says, now here's how you can live free. Here's how you can live and not go back into the ditch. Here's how you can live in joy. The purpose is to teach us to live in freedom. And and then one other kind of preliminary comment here, and that is that specifically with the 10th commandment, it gets a little bit different here. Because the 10th commandment goes inside, all right? It gets at our hearts. It talks about coveting, desiring, wanting. The 10th commandment is a little bit different. If you think of the last four that we've done, right? Number six, don't murder. That's pretty clear. You can make laws about that kind of stuff. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Those are all kind of actions, right? But now we get don't covet, and, and I want to suggest that that coveting is, is really essential, and, and where it ends up there is, is really important because it's, 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 a, it's a key to getting all the other ones right. If we can get this last commandment right, if we can control to a certain degree our coveting, our wanting of stuff, our desires that sometimes push us to do sinful things, if we can begin to control that, we can begin to have true freedom in all of our lives. Three scripture passages, both all three very short. But first, the commandment itself from Exodus 20, verse 17. It says this, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. You shall not covet. And then Jesus in Mark 7, verses 20 to 23, he, he's talking about, about what makes somebody unclean. And the Pharisees were all worried about their external actions. And Jesus says, no, it's your hearts. It's your hearts. Jesus went on and, and he said to them, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these things start in our hearts. All these evils, Jesus said, verse 23, come from inside and defile a person. And then James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. James writes this, again, talking about coveting desires. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, starts with desire, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You shall not covet. We're going to do this the way we've done all the commandments through here of, of asking our what, why, and how questions, all right? Start with that what question. What is this commandment calling us to? What does it require of us? What is it talking about? What does it mean to covet? What's the, 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 the danger here? So, <clears throat> excuse me, but, but we start with that. And I want to suggest that a, a definition for coveting of, of what we're trying to avoid here can, can be done this way. Coveting is, first of all, a desire though it's beyond a desire, that becomes a craving 
that becomes an obsession. Okay, coveting is on this path. Coveting is on this, it starts in one place and then it ends someplace else. And somewhere along that line, we cross over into the danger zone. We cross over into a place of damage and danger for who we are and for how we live and so on. So let me talk about this, and, and, and I picture it this way. Join me in trying to picture it this way, the path of, of coveting. Okay, here's, here's how I've been thinking about it this week. It, it starts, you know, we're on the road, we got our little car there, and, and we're going forward on the, the road there. And, and it starts with something that we really almost can't help, I don't think. But, but it starts just when we notice. There's no sin in that, but we just notice, right? We notice something. We all do it, right? We might notice our neighbor's boat got a brand new boat, and we notice that, and we think, wow, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's a boat. Wow, that's something, right? We notice it, a new boat, a new car, might be a house, might be a new phone, might be whatever, but there's all sorts of things. But I want to suggest this morning that we recognize that it's not just stuff, it's not just possessions that, uh, of which we can, that, that we can covet, okay? I, I think we want to read this broadly. If we go back to Exodus 20, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male, female, male female, or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And, and so I want us to recognize that coveting is not just about possessions. It's not just about things. It can be about relationships. It can be all sorts of things. We can, we can notice and go down the road of coveting uh, somebody else's intelligence. Right? We can notice somebody, it's just they're really bright and, and they're really smart. And we notice that. We notice somebody else's compassion. It's just a big heart. And they're so good at that. And they're so compassionate. We can notice somebody else's relationships. Maybe between a husband and a wife. Maybe between a mom and a daughter. Whatever it is. But we can covet all of those things. But we start with noticing those things. Okay, again, I don't think we can help that. I, I, I'll, I'll come back to that later, though. We, we, we notice those things. And then the second part, and again, I think we're still not into sin at all here, but we admire those things. We, we recognize that that's a beautiful boat. That's a beautiful house. That's a cool relationship you have, the way you can talk to each other, the way that you're there for each other, the way your daughter calls you up or whatever it is. We can admire those things. That's not a sin to, 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 to admire those things. And I want to suggest even the next one where we desire something like that is not a sin either. God gave us the ability to desire. He gave us the ability to say, hey, that would be good. I'd love to own a boat like that. I'd love to own a car like that. I'd love to have a phone like that. I'd love to have a, you know what I mean? It'd be really nice if I did, right? And I think in these, it, it, so far we're not into coveting yet. I, I think God created us to, to enjoy things, to, to enjoy things and to admire things and to see beauty in things and to celebrate that and, and, and to, 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 to have desires to grow I mean, sometimes it can be a real encouragement, right? If I see somebody who has a great relationship with their kids, I want to say, okay, I want to, I want to increase and improve my relationship with my kids or my grandkids or whatever it is, right? When I, when I see something like that, it can, it can inspire me to try to do better, right? So there's a line, though. There's a line, though, and, and somehow this desire that can be a decent desire, a holy desire that encourages us to, to seek to be more godly and so on, that desire can start to go downhill, and, and it's no longer a desire we begin to crave. Uh, we, we begin to think about it more and more and more. We don't just think that'd be nice. It's, it's wow, I really, really, really want that. I, I, in fact, we might get to, I need that. 
I, I need that. I, 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 I need that in my life. And now we're thinking about it 24-7. And, and, and then I can't live without it. I can't live without that thing. How could anybody be happy without that? How could anybody be happy with the boat I have? How could anybody be happy with the stuff I got? It's just not. And, and, and we find ourselves bitten by this coveting bug. And, and it's so damaging. All of this, I think, to the right is coveting. And, 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 I, and, and this is, again, one so much that it is there for our sake. Because coveting does so much damage. So again, let's go back. There's the definition. Coveting is a desire that becomes a craving that becomes an obsession. Why does God give us this command? Okay, this, why, what's so bad about coveting? I mean, you, in some ways, our culture says greed is good, right? Greed is good. You, you, yeah, it keeps the, ca- the economy going. It's great. It's, it, it's what keeps everybody buying stuff and making stuff and all of that stuff. What's wrong with coveting? Again, desire is not, I don't think, the problem. It's, it's coveting. Three things. First of all, coveting damages us, okay? It, it does damage to us. And the first thing that it does, and, and it, this is really strong, and I see this happening in my life sometimes, and I don't think we covet like all the time forever, but there are just times when it gets a hold of us, and maybe you've gone through those seasons. But it robs us of joy in the gifts that we already have. Okay, when I'm busy coveting what you have, all the stuff I have looks lousy. When I realize that you have all new window treatments and they are so cool, I go back into my house and my window treatments look just stupid. I see your good phone and my phone looks horrible, right? You've all had those experiences where you do that. Let's, let's go back to our car, right? We're driving down the road. This is our car, right? It's not new. It doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles, but it's okay. And then we see a 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Yes, it's a GM product. Anyway, no, sorry. But you, you, okay, we see the Cadillac. It's there. It's beautiful. It's got all the bells and whistles. It's got all the stuff we could ever want in a vehicle. And, 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 and part of what happens, and we can say, and again, this can inspire us to say, all right, let's save money. Let's go after something like that. And if it does that within bounds and not becoming obsessed or anything, fine. But what happens is we start to look at our own vehicle differently. See, we start to look, and it gets a little smaller, and, and you can hardly see it there, but we start to notice some dents. And the longer we look at it, the more we notice that it just, this car is really rotten. Until we saw the Cadillac, it was fine. And, and pretty soon, it just, all we can see is all the stuff that's bad about our car. All this, stuff. this is again, really, this is what it looks like. But it, and, and it happens in our own eyes. All of a sudden, this thing that was legitimate, is, there's no joy in it. And, and when we covet, when we start to crave, when we are obsessed with what somebody else has, when somebody else, you know, then, then, then we can't even any longer celebrate the good gifts that we have. And, and, and we've all, like I say, I think probably have experienced those times when we've been caught up in it. And, it, and we look back and we say, hold on. I had so much, I had so much, and yet all I worried about was what I didn't have. All I could see what wasn't great about it. And God says, don't let yourself get into that coveting, that, that desiring, craving, needing, saying I can't live without, because when you get to that place, it will just destroy your joy. And some of us just have, have lost so much joy because we've been focused on what we don't have not giving thanks to God for what we do have. 
So damages us by robbing us of joy and the gifts that God and the resources that we have. It, it damages us because it often leads to other sins. This is what I was getting at at the beginning there, and this is what I think James is talking about. You know, it says, after desire has conceived, after coveting has taken hold, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full-blown, gives birth to death. So what happened, you see, when we're here, on the one hand, and, and like I say, you can make a law against murder, you can make a rule about, but you can't do that with coveting because you don't know when I'm coveting, right? You, you can't see it, but I'll tell you, when, when I'm here, when I can't live without it, I am in such a danger zone because we'll do anything to get it. It, 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 we'll start to just say, how can I, how can I get there? And, and, and I, and I want to just make sure I get this. And, and it's not long before we're there, and then we crash. And, and by crashing, we steal, we lie, we cheat. We do those other commandments. We ruin somebody. We just, we're just so controlled by that coveting, and we, just, we can't live without it. And, and, and in fact, sometimes we get to a place where, well, okay, I know we can't live without it, but if, we, if we're not going to get it, then at least I don't want them to have it, right? I may, not, I may not be able to get my neighbor's boat, but at least I can pray that my neighbor's boat sinks and, 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 and their time is ruined, right? I mean, I, 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 that their phone breaks, goes, drops in the water, right? And, 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 and I'm, all of a sudden, I find myself just praying for somebody else's failure. We'll get back to that as well. But it leads to other sins. And that's why I say, if we could control our coveting, we could control a lot of things. We talk about telling the truth. How often don't we want to just covet our image or somebody else's image? And, 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 and we lie to protect ourselves, right? We lie to get a little bit more so that we can, so that we can buy a nicer car, a nicer house, a nicer plant, a ni- whatever it is. You've got to decide for yourself what, what you kind of think is out there. We, we, we try to, you know, get that better that relationship that's out of bounds. I mean, we covet our neighbor's wife, and all of a sudden we're committing adultery, right? It leads to other sins. And if we, if we could control coveting, and, 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 and in this life, none of us will get there completely. But if we could control our desires... And only, desires what, only desire what God wants us to desire, we could, we could avoid so much pain. So coveting damages, uh, damages us. Second, coveting damages relationships. It, it's really hard to, to be good friends with somebody that you are coveting what they have. This is, can be one of the reasons why it's really tough sometimes to have different income levels and have people be friends across those. Because I, I, you invite me over and I notice how big your house is and it makes me feel sad to go home to how little my house is. And after a while, I say, I don't want to feel sad, so I'm just not coming over. The, God teaches us in, in the Bible that, the, that in healthy relationships, when we genuinely care about other people, Romans 12, 15, the, Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. But, but as I've already kind of hinted at, what we do when we covet is, I rejoice when you mourn. I rejoice when your boat doesn't run. I rejoice when, when your phone breaks. I rejoice when, when I see you guys fighting. I rejoice when you mourn, and I mourn when you rejoice. It's just, you can't have good love and relationships and rejoice together and mourn together if you're coveting what somebody else has. If you're angry that they have it and you don't. If you feel like it's unfair and you can't live, you can't be happy without that thing, you cannot be really good friends <clears throat> you can't have strong, loving relationships with somebody who you're coveting something that they have. Uh, 
And, and then the third reason I think God gives us this is that the things we covet can never satisfy us. <laughs> I, 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 we want, and, and, and we kind of say, if I had this, if I had a better spouse, if I had a better job, if I had more money, if I had more of this, we say to ourselves, if I just had that, 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 that then I would be happy. It's what a lot of people have called the myth of more. And that myth is so powerful in our lives and in our culture right now that if I just have a little bit more, there's somewhere out there a set of circumstances that, that, that's preventing me from being happy. And if I could get that changed, if I could just have a little bit more, if I could just have this thing. Again, it's old and I've shared it here a bunch of times, but Nelson Rockefeller, when he was so wealthy, one of the wealthiest people on earth, you know, said, what does it take for a person to be happy? How much money? When did you get to the happiness point? And he said, it always takes this much more than I have. It's always just this much more. We talk about boaters. If you're a boater, you know, you might have heard people talk about five-foot fever. I'm at 18, I need 23. I'm at 23, 28 is the right size. I'm at 28, 33 is the right size. But friends, the myth of more is a lie. And it will just destroy us. We're, we're in the middle of the ocean drinking salt water trying to overcome our thirst. And we keep thinking. And it destroys us and it takes away our joy and we are never satisfied. This commandment is so important. So how do we keep in growing in this commandment? How can we, how can we, keep, how can we grow in keeping this commandment? As I was thinking about it, and I want to go back to this original kind of picture that we had of, of driving down and then going, craving, needing, we can't live without it, and so on. Okay, we want to avoid this. One of the things that Christians have been, really from the time of Jesus, have been tempted to try to do, and I can understand why, is to say, well, look, if we want to avoid those, what we've got to stop is desire. That's the problem. We just shouldn't desire anything. That, it's, it's, having, it's just we have to just learn to be content. And yes, we have to learn to be content. But, but we can be content and still want to grow in our relationship with God. We can be content and still want to have a better marriage. We can be content and, I mean, to, to just say, nope, I'm just not going to desire anything. Or, or maybe I, I, I won't admire anything. I, I just, I won't place value on anything. I won't think anything, or, or I won't even notice I, I, this is one of the reasons, I think, when, that we had people going into monasteries back in the 300s and so on, right? Because if I can just be in my own little cell, and I don't look around, and I don't see anything, then I can't covet, right? <clears throat> and I won't sin. So I, I won't covet. I will just be in my own little cell. But I'll tell, guarantee you, those guys were sitting in their own little cell, and they were thinking, maybe somebody has a smaller cell. Maybe somebody has a, a lower cell that I should be in. Maybe something else I should go down to. And we still, we're comparing ourselves <clears throat> and we so often fall into that trap. So I, I don't think this is. The, interestingly, I think is, <clears throat> excuse me, all right. James writes this, right? Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin gives birth to death, right? The next verse says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. And then he says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from a father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Immediately, after he says desire is dangerous, desire leads to sin, he says, but don't, don't get fooled. God's gifts are good. God's gifts are good. Enjoy them and recognize them and celebrate the gifts that God has given to you. And so I'm trying to say, well, let's get rid of desire. Let's get rid of all that stuff. It's just not going to work, okay? 
All right, so how can we? I want to suggest four things here. And, and yeah, we, we got time to go through these. But first of all, I think that at one level we have to recognize, again, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's not less, but we all struggle with coveting. And that's why it's, I think, important to recognize you might not covet somebody else's stuff, but you might covet their marriage, like I said. You might covet their, their relationship with their kids. You might covet their relationship with God. You might covet their, their influence. You might covet their, their prestige, the way people listen to them. You might covet that. They're, 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 we just, because of our sinful nature, are constantly thinking that there's something out there that's going to make us happy. We all have heart problems, and we all need God's help. And so that's just make sure you, you, can't, you can't beat this on your own. I can't beat this on my own. I can't stop coveting just because I'm going to close my eyes to everything around me or I'm going to just don't desire anything bad. I'm not going to... I need God's help. I need a new heart. So we acknowledge, first of all, that we all struggle with coveting. Secondly, and, and I think this can be helpful for us, but we need to learn to laugh at the myth of more. Because, again, it can be just so ridiculous. It's, again, there's, there's the advertising industry, and, and I, there's a good way to do that and so on. But I, I have some questions about some of these things. Um, the, the overclaim. Uh, here's an example. Uh, you know, Coke is good, right? But open a Coke and open happiness. You're not happy because you don't drink Coke. You do that Pepsi stuff, and you just don't have any joy in your life. What you, you, did you realize that's what you're missing? Open, now, you can open a Coke, and it might add to the day and so on. But if you think drinking Coke is going to make you happy, it's not. Okay, it's not the secret thing. Uh, wearing Axe deodorant, your only problem is you don't smell good enough. When you smell good, when you wear Axe deodorant, random women will give you their phone numbers. Right? I mean, it's ridiculous. You have more problems than just not smelling good, okay? I'm telling you, you have more problems than that. But we kind of say, and, and you know, if you're missing wonder in your life, you know what the problem is? You need Godiva chocolate. It is wonder awaits with Godiva chocolate. You need, now again, it's great, strawberry, chocolate covered. It can be a wonderful, but to say, this is wonder. This is, are we serious? And so laughter, in some ways, not every commercial, but a lot of commercials, you can laugh at them. You can just look at it and say, seriously, this is what they're claiming. This is what they're claiming. But we don't need commercials to do that. We all do that inside of ourselves, right? And, 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 and our culture recognizes it. There's a saying you might know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, Right? It always looks good what somebody else has had. This is that's kind of what coveting is, right? Saying it's greener on the other side of the fence. But this leaves us, and, and I came across this picture, and I thought it was a pretty classic picture. But it, it, four cows, each with their own pasture, but each one with his head stuck through the fence eating from somebody else's pasture. And they're just doing this. And I think that's our culture. We have all pastures that are really nice, and yet, and, and again, in, 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 in this area, in, in this country, we have so much more. The rest of the world is, is and, and what we are is we're here and we're looking at what our neighbor has and they're looking at what their neighbor has and we're all just trying to look at, at, at everybody else's and what they have. And, and I don't know if it was intentional and it's probably not good of me to notice, but you know, it's each one of their heads is next to another part of the anatomy of the cow. And, and I just kind of think that's sort of what we're like. It's just foolish. 
And, and I meant the back leg there that could kick him in the face. That's what I meant. But I mean, when we, we got to laugh at that and say, oh, God, I'm sometimes so foolish. Thank you for your grace. Wash away my sins and help me to be thankful for what I have. I, I a couple other ones that I came across that I thought were interesting. The grass is always greener on the other side until you jump the fence and see the weeds up close. Friends, everybody has weeds in their family. Everybody has weeds. Every one of you. I've been here long enough to know a lot of your weeds. You've been, I've been here long enough to you know you know a lot of my weeds. But you know, when we look, it looks perfect and we don't see the weeds. We don't see the weeds. And, and some of it is just remembering and saying, God, help me to recognize that we're all broken. That person, you know, they have more stuff, but they have more challenges in other areas. I, friends, we all have weeds, okay? There's no weed-free place. You go someplace, you bring weeds with you. The problem is not everybody else, it's us. Or this one, last one that I got on this. They say the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but what they don't tell you is that it's artificial turf. Facebook is artificial turf. Right? Because on Facebook, you only post the pictures of, of your family when you're all happy. You took 700 pictures and you found one where everybody was smiling. And you said, had a great time on vacation. It's artificial turf. We're masters at showing others artificial turf. When you look at my life, I want you to think that I've got green grass. <laughs> and so I'll put down artificial. <laughs> Friends, we got this myth of more. The grass is always greener. Good night. If there's one thing we all know, we are all broken. Rich, poor, black, yellow, red, white, Republicans, Democrats, there's weeds all over the place. We're all broken. And, and we have to just say, when we think that having this would make us happy and would bring us joy, we're being nuts. Third thing we can do, and, and this one is, uh, uh, again, I think a really interesting one. Uh, it's, can be, it's been sociologically, at least, scientifically proven. But practice generosity. If you want to get over coveting, give stuff away. And find the joy in that. A woman by the name of Dr. Summer Allen, who was at University of California, Berkeley, did a study in which she asked this question, can money buy happiness? And, and she found out that, in a sense, it can. It depends on what you spend it on. A survey of 632 Americans found that spending money on other people was associated with significantly greater happiness, regardless of income. Yes, money can buy happiness when you spend it when you spend it on me. No, when you spend it on somebody else. You, really, they, they said that there's clear correlation. You spend money, whatever your income level, you do something nice for somebody. You give somebody a gift of some sort, and you will feel greater happiness, whereas there was no association between spending on oneself and happiness. Which is really sad because I spent 400 bucks on a smoker at the beginning of the summer and it hasn't made me completely happy. It doesn't practice generosity. Oh, I just thought, okay, Ron, then give away your smoker right now. No, not that, Lord. <laughs> God, now I have a, 
a real moral dilemma up here, so if you need a smoker, talk to me. Uh, anyway, the last thing, let's get on from that one. Practice generosity. And finally, just remember the goodness of God. Remember the goodness of God. Look at all the joy in our own pasture, even when things are bad, even when it's difficult. I know there are some days it's really hard to see it, but we can count our blessings. We've talked about it several times here recently about saying, you know, we tend to count others' blessings, and we tend to count in those who have more. But if we can count our blessings and recognize we have so much more than so many other people, then we can stop coveting and start having deep joy. <clears throat> so we remember the goodness of God, and that's what we're going to do with the closing song in just a minute. We're going to sing about that. And as we sing this, all our lives you've been faithful, God. All my life you've been faithful. You've been so, so good. As we sing these words, let yourself think about some of the good gifts that God has given to you. First, Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, if you belong to him, you have salvation, the complete forgiveness of all your sins. If you're not and you want to know what that's like, talk to me after the service. But salvation and, and knowing that it, there's hope for one day, all things being made new, that those loved ones we lost, we can see them again. That's the goodness of God. And so as we count our blessings, as we remember the goodness of God, we recognize that our coveting is going to decrease. So let's pray together. Father, we buy lies all the time that if only we had a better daughter or a better son, if only we had different grandkids or different spouses or different parents, if only we had different stuff, a different phone, a different boat, a different car, if only we had, if only we had, if only we had, we would be happy, we would have joy, we would have peace, we would have a good life. Remind us, Father, remind us that that leads to death. And help us to find the joy in knowing you and knowing that you hold on to us and you will never let us go. Help us right now to remember your goodness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.